The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Good morning and welcome to Love Was His Meaning, reading and praying with Julian of Norwich. Before we get into Julian this morning, uh, let's do our little office, the links of which are in the description for both the podcast and the, uh, the live stream. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Let's say in Psalm 91 together. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. He shall say to the Lord, You are my refuge and my stronghold, my God in whom I put my trust. He shall deliver you from the snare of the hunter and from the deadly pestilence. He shall cover you with his pinions, and you shall find refuge under his wings. His faithfulness shall be a shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of any terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, of the plague that stalks in the darkness nor of the sickness that lays waste at midday. A thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Your eyes have only to behold, to see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, and the Most High your habitation, there shall no evil happen to you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways, they shall bear you in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and adder. You shall trample the young lion and the serpent under your feet. Because he is bound to me in love, therefore will I deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I am with him in trouble. I will rescue him and bring him to honor. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let us say together the prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing less that can be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want, for only in you have I all. Amen. Well, we are into chapter 23 now of the Revelations. In these three words, it is a joy, a bliss, and an endless delight to me, were shown three states of bliss in this way. In regard to the joy, I interpret the pleasure of the Father, and in regard to the bliss, the honor of the Son, and in regard to the endless delight, the Holy Spirit. The Father is pleased. The Son is honored, the Holy Spirit delights. And I, here I saw this in relation to the third way of seeing his blessed passion, that is to say, the joy and the bliss that make him delight in it, 
for our gracious Lord showed his passion to me in five ways, of which the first is the bleeding of the head, the second is the discoloration of his blessed face, the third is the plenteous bleeding of the body and the slashes of the scourging, the fourth is the profound dying, these four regard the pains of the passion as I said before, and the fifth is what was shown in regard to the joy and the bliss of the passion. It is God's will that we have true delight with him in our salvation, and in that he wishes us to be mightily comforted and strengthened, and thus he wills that with his grace our soul can be happily engaged, for we are his bliss, for in us he delights without end, and so shall be we in him with his grace. All that he has done for us and does now and ever shall do was never a cost or burden to him, nor can it be except only what he did in our manhood, beginning at the sweet incarnation, lasting until the blessed rising on Easter morning. Only that long did the cost and the burden considering our redemption last indeed, about which deed he rejoices endlessly, as was said before. Ah, Jesus wishes that we take heed to the bliss of our salvation that is in the blessed Trinity, that, and that we desire to have as much spiritual pleasure with his grace as was said before. That is to say, that the pleasure of our salvation be like to the joy that Christ has about our salvation, as much as it can be while we are, we are here. The whole Trinity acted in the passion of Christ, ministering an abundance of strength and plenitude of grace to us by him. But only the maiden's son suffered, about which the whole blessed Trinity endlessly rejoices. And this was shown in the words, Art thou well satisfied? And by that other word that Christ said, If thou art satisfied, I am satisfied. As if he said, It is joy and delight enough to me, and I ask nothing else from thee for my labor except that I can well satisfy thee. In this he reminded me of the quality of the glad giver. Always a glad giver takes but little heed of the thing that he gives, but all his desire and all his intention is to please him and solace him to whom he gives it. And if the receiver accepts the gift gladly and thankfully, then the gracious giver sets at naught all his cost and all his labor for the joy and delight that he is because he has pleased and solaced him whom he loves. Plenteously and fully was this shown. Think also wisely of the magnitude of this word ever, for in that word was shown an exalted awareness of the love that he has in our salvation with the manifold joys that result from the passion of Christ. One joy is that he rejoices that he has done it indeed, and he shall suffer no more. Another joy is that he brought us up into heaven and made us to be his crown and endless bliss. Another joy is that with the passion he has redeemed us from the endless pains of hell. So, beloved, these, this, the... Um, the chapter before and this chapter are part of a particular um, revelation. This is, uh, one person puts it, calls it the Trinity's pleasure. Uh, so the, we're, we're talking about the Trinity here, and I really haven't talked much about the Trinity um, in this particular podcast. Uh, people who hear me preach hear me preach about this fairly regularly. Uh, but one of the stories I like to tell about the Trinity is um, I had a, a teacher who was a rabbi uh, who was teaching us Jewish-Christian relations in seminary. And, we, you know, we started talking about this kind of stuff. And he said, you know, we as Jews just think this whole idea you guys have of the Trinity is bonkers. It's crazy. It, it, you know, we don't understand it. But there's one thing I really appreciate about it. And he says, 
what it says is that God is always in community, and God creates us for community to be in community with each other. And that is something that Jews and actually Muslims have the same concept, that 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 God is always about being in, creating, and making things for community. And he said that 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 is an important gift, and that's a gift you bring to the religious community, is that, that constant refrain of even God in God's self is a community. And the Trinity is one of those doctrines that the harder you hold on to it, uh, the the more diff- the, the the more it it falls through your fingers. It's 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 designed to be that way. One has to remember this is more than a metaphor. This is not you know, as 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 Christians in kind of an, in the Orthodox tradition, not Eastern Orthodox, but general Orthodox tradition. Uh, this is we believe this is actually something about how God actually operates. However. The thing we always have to realize is that our language is always going to fall short. We're trying to describe something that's indescribable. So it's also possible for us to get um, to tr- try too hard to understand it to some extent. In some ways, it's a mystery that's meant to be left a mystery. And as I said before, if we try to grab onto it and overanalyze it, it slips through our fingers like, like sand does. Um, and that is, is a good thing. Um, we just do not have the ability to to profoundly understand all of the intricacies, all of the magnificence of God, and therefore these doctrines are should have a degree of mystery in them that elude us uh, getting to full scientific um, pinpointing of exactly what we mean by something. It's 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 meant to keep our minds open and keep our imaginations engaged. Uh, so that's that's really really important. And you know, Julian receives these visions, and then she spends twenty years. 20 years or more, in her meditation, in her imagination, playing with these concepts before the long text is written. So it's really important to remember that Julian's imagination, I believe, runs into this. It's not, you know, quite a bit of this is her own reflection, and she's very clear about that, her own reflection on what's going on around her. Um, So when she's reflecting on the Trinity here, she does it in a way that is different than the way most people uh, reflect on the Trinity, because she's not talking in a a, a scholastic theological framework about exactly how you have two persons and in, in, uh, or three persons in, in two substance, you know, in, in, in different subs in one substance with the two, uh, with the, the different divine nature being in two parts. You know, we're not getting into that whole kind of Greek metaphysical argument here. She's talking about the relationship the relationship between the three parts of the Trinity. So this entire chapter is a meditation on those words of, it is a joy and bliss and endless delight to me. And those are the words that Jesus gives her about his own suffering and passion, that that, that the passion was a joy, a bliss, and an endless delight to me. Um, she has this phrase of, the Father is pleased, the Son is honored, and the Holy Spirit delights. So all three persons of the Trinity are taking part uh, in this uh, this joy, uh, this joy about this gift that is given to us as humanity. And it is God's will that we have true delight with him in our salvation. Uh, it was never a cost or burden to him. You know, that's something we have to think about here is it never was a cost or burden to him. It was always a delight. Um, 
And uh, when he shows in the words, Art thou well satisfied, it's as if he said, It is a joy and delight enough to me, and I ask nothing else from thee for my labor, except that I can well satisfy thee. In other words, the gift, the return for Jesus' passion is not any particular thing we do, say, or but but simply that we are satisfied that we uh, as i talked early in the in the earlier um uh, last um, episode talking about the fact that god comes to us and say are you satisfied are you willing to put down your wrath are you willing to put down your um the things that you hold on to that make life worse for everybody else are are you willing to put down the things that destroy the image that 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 well they don't destroy but they they kind of hide the image of God within yourself. Are you willing to do those things? That's what God asks for from us. Uh, and that we we take pleasure, the same pleasure that God takes in it, that we be willing to take that ourselves. So the reason why that is really important um, is uh, because so much of Christian thought is looking at the passion and looking at it and kind of obsessing over it and thinking about how unworthy we are for Jesus to have done this for us. And while that is true, that's not where God wants us to be. That's certainly not what Julian says. Uh, I remember when Mel Gibson's The Last Passion of the Christ came out. Um, and I was in a small town in Kentucky at that time. And there was a special showing by the local theater for local um, local pastors. And so it was myself, myself and the local Roman Catholic priest went together, um, and uh, we were in a in a in a theater mostly with you know, evangelical pastors, Church of Christ, Southern Baptist, um, stuff like that. And you know, we watched this, which I often describe as a pornographic um, dis- depiction of the violence that happened to Christ. I mean, it's it really, it really just is all about uh, the violence that's done to Christ. I don't particularly think it's a, a good interpretation of it. I mean, it's Mel Gibson's personal, but it's certainly not where my spirituality goes. And after it was done, I remember like the, the, the movie theater was silent and then the, the Roman Catholic priest and I got up and left and the other guys just couldn't seem to move. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that both the Roman Catholic priest and I had been doing Good Friday services for all of our careers. And we were used to thinking about the violence done to Jesus, but we had also moved on from that point to where Julian is, that God says it's not, uh, God says in Julian's revelations that it's not about that precisely, that, yeah, all of that, you know, Julian has the entire revelation and sees all that. But that's not what God, where God wants us to be. God doesn't want us to remain in Good Friday. God wants us to be in Easter, because that's the entire point. Hundreds of thousands of people were crucified by the Romans, and we don't dwell in that. But Jesus is the only person who's ever been resurrected. The resurrection is the, can't be there without the crucifixion, but the resurrection is the point that's important. Not, not, not the amount of suffering that, that Jesus goes through. But the fact that who it is who does the suffering is the point, and the entire point of who he is is the resurrection. And we get that here right at the end of this chapter. Okay, so a joy is that he shall suffer no more. A joy is that he brought us up into heaven and made us his crown in endless bliss. That's that that idea from the previous chapter that's so beautiful. And another joy is that with the passion he's redeemed us from the endless pains of hell. Okay, 
Julian is not a universalist. Um, she she somewhat doesn't understand this whole idea about how all shall be made well, and there's still a particular judgment that happens on particular people. But she still fits within the medieval framework of, of believing that there is a heaven and a hell. But that's also not where her emphasis is. Her emphasis is he doesn't suffer anymore. He's We're his crown and endless bliss. And we're, sa- we're safe from the endless pains of hell. And that is remarkable for a medieval person who spend almost all, all their time in most um, mystics at this time talking about the, the, the endless pains of hell, that that's the whole point of, of Jesus's be, Jesus being on earth was to save us from the endless pains of hell. Um, and that's also what you'll hear from uh, certain parts of the church today. But that's not an afterthought for, for, for um, Julian, but that's a secondary thought for her. The primary point is that Jesus enters into suffering and resurrection because it is an endless joy for him, because it is it is satisfying us, because it is it is um, doing doing something. Uh, you know, God God doesn't suffer because God needs blood payment for us, which is what you often hear from people even today. God suffers because that is who God is. And that is the way, uh, one could say, that is the way that God gets our attention. That is the way God changes the machinery of the, scape, of the scapegoat mechanism. That is the way that, that God, God throws a monkey wrench into the ways that we treat each other as, as humans and says, this business as usual just doesn't work anymore uh, because I'm entering into it as God. So that's what we need to pick, pick up from this. And it's something you can pick up as a major theme from Julian. If the Father is pleased, the Son is honored. The Holy Spirit delights, and it is God's will that we have true delight with him in our salvation. It's not something that we should be gloomily uh, thinking about the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made. Yes, Jesus did, but that's not what God wants us to think about. God wants us to have true delight with him in our salvation. Let's say together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I ask your prayers for the people of Eastern Europe, particularly for the people of the country of Ukraine. I bid your prayers for our parish prayer list, and I bid you add add your own prayers silently or aloud at this time. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, 
our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning again. Uh, please tune in again next time as we'll move into the next revelation, which is Christ's Rejoicing, uh, which we're kind of in to, to some degree all, already, but it's a uh, yet the next uh, vision of Julian. Um, until I see you again, take care of yourselves and God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.